Dankie If I could get a glass of uh, water or something, anyone? Thank you. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to jump straight into it. Uh, let's see where, yeah, and just keep your hearts open to where God takes you um, and us. Um, yeah, let's just be open to His, His leading as well, um, even as you're sitting there right now. So I was prompted um, by a devotional that I was listening to in the last two weeks or so, but the, the question was, um, particularly on the, thanks John, particularly on the Sabbath day, which was obviously for the, in the Old Testament and the Israelites, it was a specific day after, and there were also um, certain feasts that were held yearly that was also, uh, you know, one of the Sabbaths. Um, so some of the Feast of Weeks and the Booths and, and all those, those were actually also called um, Sabbaths. Um, but God created the earth in six days, and on the seventh day, He rested from His work. He did not work on the seventh day. And the question that was posed to me was, if you cannot rest, if you need to work seven days a week, and you cannot take one day off, then you are not free. You are a slave to work. Okay, so that was like, and and then the question to me was, but what, you know, so if I, and I think I might have shared this last Sunday or so as well, but what am I enslaved to? What is keeping me busy? What is, what can I not, not do on a, you know, on the day of rest? Now, I don't, you know, I'm not particularly legalistic about or very strong on, you know, on having a, a rest day, so, like in the terms of, I re, growing up, I was actually, my mom was married to a Seventh-day Adventist at some point, and so Friday, <laughs> 7 p.m., TV off, um, and actually on Saturdays, I wasn't allowed to do any sport, which was um, very problematic for me. <laughs> I thank God that that didn't last so long. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and I mean, so, and I don't, and I think there is room for you to walk that out with God, um, work out your own salvation with Him in terms of how much the physical rest on a physical day, whether that, you know, is something that God is, is uh, requiring of you and, and what that is. But um, I want to, I want to translate that from work, I want to translate that into your spiritual life, okay, so, and I want to use the word, and I, I, and I do think there is a correlation in the Bible between uh, entering the promised land, the rest, uh, entering God's rest, and the Sabbath, okay, so there's, I, I want to pull that connection there, and then the journey that I want to go on with you this morning um, is I want to take you from what it was like to get uh, forgiveness of sins in the Old Testament, so, so rest for your conscience, a clean conscience, rest for your soul, forgiveness of sin in the Old Testament, the amount of effort it took from there to get uh, washed clean compared to where we are currently today, okay? So I want to take you on that journey. Um, so if we could read Hebrews 4, um, verse 8 to 10. Uh, so in Hebrews 4, The writer to the Hebrews says, For if Joshua had given them rest, 
God would not have spoken of another day later on. And so obviously Joshua was uh, the leader who had brought the Israelites into the promised land slash rest. Uh, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. And I believe the way to enter the rest and to rest from your works in, in trying to achieve this rest, to rest from dead works, is in Christ. Okay? And so that's why Jesus says in John 14, verse 6, um, he says that I am the way, uh, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to, uh, to the Father except through me. All right? Now, I wanna, why did I just bring in that random piece <laughs> of Scripture? Um, if I were to talk to you about how um, to operate that coffee machine at the back, I'm pretty sure Sean would understand all the terminology that I would use. So I'd say, Sean, you know, turn on the grinder. Sean, not me, Sean uh, Dalmas. <laughs> I don't often talk to myself out loud. <laughs> I'd say, turn on the grinder, you know, fill the, the porta filter with coffee grounds, and then you put it into the group head, and you make, you know, you run the shot, and then once the shot is run, uh, you know, of espresso, at a it must run a certain time, and it must look a certain way. And then you need to warm the, uh, you need to steam the milk with a steam wand. You know, you need, and the, 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 if I were to explain all the inner workings of that machine to you, you'd need to know the terminology of the machine. So you'd need to know the names of the parts. And then you would need to not just know the names of the parts, you'd have to understand what those parts do and how they work in order for the machine as a whole to operate. Okay, and generally what's useful for understanding machines is a manual. Okay, that thing that uh, we open up the box and throw away and try to figure out ourselves. And then most of the times it works and then it breaks down after a while. Okay, that thing. And in this case, God has, has in a, he's written a manual and he's got definitions for terms um, that span across thousands of years. So the way, the truth, and the life, if, like, if I say that out here, you guys are all just like, yeah, 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 we've, you know, Jesus says that all the time. <laughs> <You know? laughs> One way, <laughs> Jesus, you know, um, we've, got, we've got the terms. But in this context, to the, to the Jews, it had very particular me meaning. And uh, I want to explore that with you this morning about what that meaning is and why it was relevant and why, if Jesus were to say that, in front of a group of Jews at around, what, 33, 29 AD, why it would actually be quite a shocking statement. Okay, so in order to get there, I'm going to call on uh, Dr. Cassie Duplessis. All right, so Cassie this morning, he's going to um, act out a scene for us as, as I direct him. Uh, please note this is improv. Uh, Cassie has not uh, been prepared much for this. Um, so Cassie this morning is our anointed priest. So he may enter the tabernacle, okay? But uh, we're going to start at, 
at dinner time, uh, so it's evening, it's dinner time for Cassie and Marty and John's uh, running around. What does John do at dinner time, Cassie? He's reading a book, okay. So, uh, Leviticus chapter 4. All right, um, I will direct you, Cassie. So, we'll get to Leviticus 4. So, Cassie's having dinner with Marty. Marty's having a heart-to-heart with Cassie. He's saying, she's saying, Bookie. There's no, there's no way to confirm it. Is that a good guess? <laughs> okay. Bokkie, you know a bokkie nodig So she's talking to Cassie and she's saying, you know, Cassie, um, you know that thing that you said the other day? It was, it was a, a fabrication of the truth. In fact, Cassie, I think that you, you told a lie. And now Cassie, being the honest analytical man that he is, assesses himself and the situation and comes to the realization that he is guilty of this lie. Okay, so he, he admits to the, you know, he realizes that he's guilty. And as, thank you, thank you, as a priest, he has certain responsibilities if he sins. He cannot minister before God uh, if he has sinned. Now there's a process that he needs to follow in order to be redeemed. All right, so Cassie realizes, oh, now this, all this has to go into place. He calls John. John. Now, John, you need to go find a bull, a, a, a bull, in fact, from the herd, um, because you're a priest. If you were not a priest, then it would have been a, a lamb. All right, so we'll go from verse 3. Oh, let's go from verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel. If anyone sins unintentionally, which Cassie only sins unintentionally, all right, in any of the Lord's commandments about things not to be done and does any one of them, if it is the anointed priest who sins, which is Cassie, uh, thus bringing guilt on the people, then he shall offer for the sin that he has committed a bull from the herd without blemish. Please go find a bull. You got your bull. To the Lord for a sin offering. Verse 4. He shall bring the bull. So let's just set the scene here. So this is outside the tabernacle. So this is the entrance to the tabernacle. Then this is the, the outer court where you may slaughter the bull. Then over here we have the holy place. Okay. So where are we? You shall bring the bull to the entrance of the tent of meeting. All right. But let's just back this up. Okay. Let's just back this up. Okay. Let's just consider, has anybody ever led a bull? Okay, okay. How was that experience for you? Without a bu- Okay, okay. So, really hard. Okay, so Cassie. Okay, there we go. Sweating. Yeah, okay. Okay. There was no Bucky involved on a trailer, anything yet. This was manual labor, okay? So, Cassie has put in, since sunrise with John, has been leading this bull and is probably tired at this stage. There's been no small effort, right? And then he will lay his hand on the head of the bull. And, okay, cut scene, PG-13. He kills the bull. Okay, the bull is dead. It's on. <laughs> okay, no gun. All right, he had to do this. Old school, okay. The bull resisted a little bit. Let's just put it that way, okay. He was, no, thank you, thank you, thank you. Next verse. 
and the anointed priest, at this, you should have been gathering blood already, okay? So he's got a, he had his bucket ready uh, of the bull, and he will bring it into the tent of meeting. And the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle parts of the blood seven times before the Lord in front of the sanctuary, the veil of the sanctuary. Okay, well done. That was seven times, <laughs> all right? And the priest shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar. So here's the altar. So on the horns of the altar, so there are four horns, all on, uh, in a square. Okay, got it? And uh, of the altar of fragrant incense, uh, and the priest shall put some of the blood <coughs> on the horns of the altar of fragrant incense. There we go. It's inside the, the holy place. Before the Lord that is in the tent of meeting. And all the rest of the blood of the bull he shall pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering. Well done. Now let's just, let's just think about how much bl blood did you gather uh, from the bull? A bucket, a whole bucket. How many liters? Uh, eight liters. Eight liters. Okay, that's no small effort either, okay? So we started at 6 a.m. and it's what, probably about 9, 10 a.m. this morning, okay? It's hot, it's Paul, it's the heat of the day. And he shall pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering that, at, that is at the entrance of the tent of the meeting. And all the fat of the bull, of the sin offering, he shall remove from it. It's a small bull. <laughs> and the fat that covers the entrails, and all the fat that is on the entrails, and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them at the loins, and the long lobe of the liver, did you forget the liver? Okay. That he shall remove with the kidneys, just as these are taken from the ox of the sacrifice of the peace offerings, just in case you were wondering about the peace offering. Uh, and the priest shall burn them on the altar of burnt offering. Okay. Rem you had made the fire already, because the fire is always burning. It never stops burning. Okay. So there's always wood there. Okay. Anyway. But the skin of the bull and all its flesh with its head, its legs, its entrails, and its dung, <laughs> all the rest of the bull. That's a good, you know, you're not going to carry it like you're going to drag it. Okay. To the ash sheep, uh, he shall carry outside the camp to a clean. So how far is this, Kasif, from the tent of meeting to outside the camp? Ten kilometers. <laughs> okay. So Kasif just dragged the bull ten kilometers uh, to a clean place, to the ash sheep which I think is rubbish dump, in our words, uh, and shall burn it up on a fire. So now you've got to make a fire there. Now remember, to make a fire, you would have had to carry wood. And to make a fire big enough to burn a bull, you'd have had to have a lot of wood. Okay, so the majority of this bull was burnt somewhere else. Okay. Um, on the ash heap, it shall be burned up. And is that the end of the scriptures that I gave you? Okay. Thank you, Kasi. So, I don't know about you guys, but that's, that's a lot of work. Yeah. So, like, I, I assume most of you haven't slaughtered a bull. Um, but I think if you just start to imagine how long that takes and now the detail with which we had to do it. Yeah, the amount of people that needed to help. It was a massive... So a lot of resources were drawn in in order to make sure that Cassie was redeemed. Yeah, just for this little white lie that he, he told, okay?
So the first thought I have is that I'm super grateful to God that uh, I don't have to do that. I don't know about you. <laughs> okay. Um, so then, so let's move on. Um, that's just one of the examples of one of the many um, offerings and sacrifices that had to be made. And, and I think, you know, looking back, you've got you've to see that God is communicating to us through this physical picture, an eternal or a non-physical way of something that's happening in the heavens, in the spiritual realm, okay? How, if, if, if God just told you this is how it's working and this is how it's happening, right? I'm forgiving your sins. There, there would be no picture or frame of reference for us as people to understand it, okay? And so he uses this picture, this physical picture, establishes that within a culture, with a group of people, a nation, so that it would be a symbol for the whole history for us to look at and understand and be able to grasp what it, is, what it means for people to be saved and, and Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. So interestingly enough, the, so there were, the way, the truth, and the life is actually the names of the, the three gates um, at the tabernacle. Tabernacle. So the way was the, the entrance. Okay? So that's why Jesus, if you just think about it a little bit, you'll hear and you'll read him referring to himself as the gate and the way. So this is the gate. There's only one entrance uh, into Christ, and that is through his sacrifice. Okay? So all of us who believe in Jesus have entered through his sacrifice, the way. The gate. Amen? The next gate was called uh, the truth, and that is where fellowship and ministry uh, took place and life took place in God. That's where the priests, which we are in Him, minister to God. Okay? And at that, um, obviously the veil was torn, so we don't have too much time to, to spend on that. The veil was torn, so essentially it is one place now. So where all of the, the, the truth and the life takes place in the holy place. Okay. So this is a prophetic type of, of Jesus Christ. This is a prophetic picture of what it is, um, of Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. This is a prophetic picture of how we enter into communion, redemption with Jesus. So let's run through few more scriptures and then try to pull it all together. All right, Hebrews 9 verse 12. So, it's, uh, so we had the priest who did all the work, the people whose sins need to be forgiven with physical animals, with blood that was not their own. Hebrews 9 verse 12. Yeah. If you've got, have you got Hebrews 9 at all? Okay, let's just jump to then Hebrews 9, 24. Once you've got it. Okay, we can go 12. He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal 
redemption or an eternal life, okay? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Then uh, let's jump to 24. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, okay? So Christ's redemption is not through the physical tabernacle, but into heaven itself. So which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. So no longer does a priest appear on your behalf, but Jesus appears before God on your behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have to have suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now that laborious process is of sacrificing continually for every sin, every year, all the time, has been put away with once and for all by the eternal sacrifice of Jesus uh, for you. So sin was dealt with completely in the outer court from the gate, the way. 100% it is dealt with in Christ. Okay? We don't have to spend more time on that. I think it's clear. Um, and so only by Christ can you enter the way. Okay, then let's jump to 10 uh, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So all those, all those references are there. So um, we've got the new and the living way. So we've got the life that he opened for us through the curtain. That was the gate. So the life that we have in him was opened to us through the gate. And we draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. So that worshiping him in, so that's why Jesus tells the Samaritan woman, worship me in spirit and in truth. No longer, in spirit, no longer limited to a physical location, but anywhere. And in truth, the, the fellowship that takes place in the holy place uh, prayer, communion, fellowship with Him, right? It's all in Christ. It's eternal. It's not limited to this physical boundary or this physical um, place that we're meeting in this morning. It can happen at any time and in any place. You can have the full assurance of faith of drawing near to Christ, to God the Father through Christ. Amen? So, let's just recap quickly. <laughs> so, we've spoke of, spoken about entering God's rest, okay? Through Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. The sacrifice of Jesus dealt with our entrance into the way. But now, and now we can worship Him in spirit and in truth. 
And this is, you know, there's, in the, the sacrifice of Jesus, there's almost no, there's nothing more that you can do. You need to be there, right? Jesus, need, he's brought you in. He has saved you. His sacrifice is absolute. Your redemption is absolute in him, okay? But then, from the courtyard into the holy place, there is a drawing near from your side that needs to happen. And that's why there's an encouragement for us to approach the throne of grace freely, all the way up to, as Cassie taught us last week, up to the, um, where the presence of God dwelt in the ark of the, around the Ark of the Covenant. All the way there, you can draw near. And I want to translate what I said in the beginning from the Sabbath rest, where, I've, where I worked through the idea of, if I'm not resting, there's something that I'm enslaved to. And I, and I want to draw the, pull this through to this point. If you are unable to enter God's presence, if you're unable to enter worship, if you're unable to enter in prayer, in ministry towards God, I want to put it to you that there is something that is enslaving you that is not God, that is not of God. And, that, and, and I want us to dwell on that this morning. I want us to respond to that this morning. Because those are the important things that we need to, that we can work through with Him. We know that His sacrifice has, made, has redeemed us. So we know we are welcome in His presence. We know that we are welcome in worship. We know that we are welcome in His Spirit, in His presence. But the drawing near to His throne of grace and mercy, you can be enslaved to things that will keep you away from it. So yeah, uh, could we have a, a guitar playing? Yeah. yeah, so, and I mean, I, to each person that's individual and personal, right? I can't, I mean, I, there's not, no blanket statements that, that are going to help you um, there. And so, so I, wa I want us to just trust God together for that. Um, I want to trust God to take you on, on that journey. Like, and... And I mean, the, the picture is drawn through even further than that, right? So we've, we've, we've gone from the physical tent to the, the, to the eternal picture that it was portraying. But then it goes even further to say that you are the temple. You are the tabernacle. God's presence is in you. God's dwelling place is in you. You are the temple. And then in Revelation, it goes even further than that says, and I think it's a prophecy of what is to come, but it says, um, it sees the tabernacle descending to earth, and it says that the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and He will be their God, and they will be His people. And so, I want to come against, I want to, I'm adamant about this thing, and I think it, it comes out of me a lot uh, when, I, when I talk. When I, when I consider things. But there is no hindrance this morning. 
or tomorrow or this evening or any time during the week if you are in Christ. There is no hindrance of you coming into a place of fellowship and communion with, with God. And if you are experiencing any block this morning, if you are experiencing that there is a resistance, I want you to, why don't we stand together? I want you to ask God this morning. I want you to engage with Him this morning. I want you to ask Him, what, what are those things that, are, that I'm enslaved to? What are those things that have captured my mind and my heart? Where God, you should be the one that's capturing my mind and my heart, Lord God. And I believe God wants to deal with that thing this morning. And I, He wants to start the process and the journey of dealing with that thing. So just, let's just take a moment just to consider, just to bring it before God. So, Lord, I want to thank you, God, just that we have a right as your sons and daughters, Lord, to commune with you this morning. Not just this morning, Lord God, but any time of the day, Lord God, anywhere, any situation. Lord, we can take a moment, Lord God. We can stop and pray and connect with you, God. And Father, I pray, Lord God, as we stand on that sure foundation, Lord, that you are the one who brings us in to the way, Lord God, that you are the one who brought us into the gate, that your sacrifice is secure, Lord God. Lord, as we stand on that foundation, Lord God, God, I pray that you would liberate us and propel us, Lord God, into communion and worship and fellowship with you, Lord. Lord, and I pray, God, I know you are a decisive God. Lord, and I pray these things, um, you know, that, Lord, the things that you've been speaking to us this morning, Lord, that one thing that you've highlighted in, in individuals' hearts this morning, Lord God, I pray that you would come and decisively deal with hindrances, Lord God, decisively deal with bad habits, Lord, decisively deal with strongholds in our life, Lord, come and decisively deal with those blockages, Lord God, that we can freely worship and approach the throne of grace, Lord God. Father, and I pray, Lord, that as we enter gatherings, Lord God, as we enter communities of worship, Lord God, as we enter fellowship with one another, Lord, that there would be a freedom in us, Lord God, to, to worship and fellowship with you, Lord God.
Lord, I pray that not one person here this morning would walk out without the surety and the assurance of your salvation, Lord God. A few years ago, the Lord, just in my journey with him, he showed me that we, I always had the, I, I would realize something stands between me and him, and then I would have to remove this thing, and I would struggle to be able to do that. And then he showed me, but he, re, he puts that thing in front of me, and then he can come and stands beside me, and then it's us against that thing. So... I need to make that thing my enemy. I need to say, Lord, I'm struggling to, with loving. So this thing is not you. I'm putting it, it's my enemy, and you are standing beside me. So we are, sta- we are fighting with, together, against that thing. You don't have to earn his love. His love is yours. He wants to fight with you against your enemies. Yeah, I think um, one of the things, because, because the whole time um, we're thinking like, okay, what do, we, what do we do with the message of how does this come? The temptation, obviously, which Sean is pointing out, is we've got the temptation to look for the bull. I know I've got the sin, but where is my sacrifice for what I've done wrong? I have lied, but how can I deal with, how can I come to God purely? How can I, should I, should I suffer a while to sort of bring a bull? Should I uh, look? Should I look, should I dress in a specific way? Should I not sing for a while? You know, we, we've got all kinds of bulls in inverted commas that we want to bring. But what Sean is encouraging us this morning is there is blood. It's already, I come by that bull. I come by that blood. I come with that. And sure, there needs to be a dealing with sin. I need to, I need to confess. I need to say, God, I'm sorry. I mean, this thing is bringing separation between. And therefore, I, 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 I do need to approach the throne of grace. But I don't need to look for a separate bull. I can enter into the rest that a bull has been given. So now I can just come by the blood. That was, and, and, and here it is, Father, the perfect blood for my, for my iniquity, the perfect. And nothing needs to hold us back to look for another bull. It's but today we can. Today we can deal with whatsoever brings separation. There needs no reason for us not to enter the rest of being right with God because the blood is there. And, 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 and the rest is in an assurance. I'm sure that the blood is sufficient. I can come. I think that's... So I just want to create uh, a moment for us um, after I've heard from... Yeah, so we're going to do, um, just Makhtar's encouragement is to confess that, that thing that is preventing you, that thing that you do, that God has convicted you of, that God has highlighted this morning. Bring it into the light in this week with somebody that you are walking with. 
so that you can deal with that, that God can deal with that thing. Um, I, know, I get that correctly. And so just what I want to just create a space for us this morning as well um, to start that process, to start that process this morning. Um, and this isn't a thing of, um, you know, that you're a weaker a brother or sister, but we need to stand together. We need to pray for one another. We need to share one, we need to bear one another's burdens. And I don't know about you, but not entering God's presence is a burden for me. Like, I want to experience the nearness of God. Our better is one day in God's courts than a thousand elsewhere. There is no place I would rather be right now than in uninhibited, immeasurable worship with God. No, like experiencing tangibly His nearness. There's no other place I'd rather be. I wouldn't be at, I don't want to be at work. I don't want to be, I want to be in the throne room of God's grace. I want to experience His pleasure over me. I want to experience His joy as He looks at me as a son. You know, I don't want anything to hinder that. But unfortunately, as a human being, as you also are, we somehow have a knack of getting ourselves into habits that prevent us from entering His presence. And I want us to pray with one another this morning. And I want us, what I want to do, like if you need, if you want prayer, if you want deeper moments with God in the throne room, I want us to pray in the front for each other. Okay, so I just want to create that space. Cassie, if you have a song, Uriah. I just want to create a space for us to engage with God, not with me, not with anyone else, but to engage with God this morning. To almost physically cross that boundary, cross that obstacle, and move to the front so that we can, we can pray for one another, we can trust together for one another. Amen? So, yeah, just, just step out. If that is you, and I know it is every single one of you, like, I know, I know deep inside, every single one of us wants more of God. But I want to create a moment for you to have somebody stand with you, to pray through some things. Somehow when we pray together, that God tends to break loose things that that you can't as you do on your own. So, if you're not being prayed for, please pray for someone else. So, everyone who's not being prayed for, does, come and share in the breakthrough of praying for someone else. Amen? Let's go.